You are now listening to FemRegard Podcast with Tessa Markle and Carolina Alvarez. Mmm, Fem. Hey listeners, want to start your own podcast? Let us tell you our favorite tool. Anchor is the one-stop shop for all your podcasting needs. Here's why. Anchor lets you record and edit your show right from your phone or computer. So no matter your setup, you can start creating right now. Then it distributes your show to the most popular listening platforms like Apple and Spotify. Plus, it's the only place you can send video content to Spotify. Creators can even earn money on Anchor with ads and subscriptions. Best of all, it's all free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, Fem Fam. We are doing a little double recording day. We like to kind of record en masse, isn't that a word? Like en masse is the French? I don't know. (laughs) We mass produce these, yeah, (laughs) as we release them to you. Um, So it's an early morning here in LA, but we have had two amazing guests today. And the one that you are about to hear about is Lauren Barker. She uh, reached out to us on Instagram, which we love. So if you're a listener and you want to be on the show, please reach out to us. We can't guarantee we can get everybody on the show, but we love hearing from you guys. We love hearing your stories. And she is a filmmaker in Wisconsin, Milwaukee area. Um, And she just finished and put out her first feature, which Carolina and I... just loved we loved learning about her process and we love bringing on guests like her for y'all to listen to like you know there was just so many great insight because it was so fresh from her perspective and and she was able to get it a done holla micro budget yes we're here for it anyone else listening on the same page yes we love our micro budgets not only made it but finished it and got it out there for people to watch and And she's making money like all the things. Distribution, baby. <laughs> then that's what we talk about on the show. So it was really fun for us to kind of, you know, selfishly ask some more questions. But I think that would be really insightful um, for you guys to just absorb some of this as you're getting your first features made. And please let us know if you have any other follow-up questions. We we'll always do our best to, like, give you some more insight mm-hmm. or bring on more guests like I have a goal still to have a guest on the show um to talk about the windowing options and what that even means I learned that through trying to come up with a distribution plan for our film and I was like windowing what's that sounds like shopping but it's not um no so it's just like there's just like a lot to absorb but I I hope um yeah, we uh, Lauren was just so great to like kind of talk through and it's yeah, incredible. Yeah. She did, she did an amazing job. Also, I think this is a really great episode for those of you listening that are not LA or New York based, like not in, you know, a huge market yeah. um because she talks about how she got this film made in the Milwaukee area, which like you know, there's stuff going on up there. There's filming. She talks about that too, like what the industry's like up there. It's not like it's no man's land, but it's not, you know, a huge hub, right? So like this goes to show that you can make a professional film anywhere, you know? And so she talks a little bit about her experience with that. And also like, again, she's, she, her film is out there and it's making her money. So again, that's not something that's just like an LA or New York thing. You can do that wherever yeah. you are. So just 
putting that out there for y'all listeners that are not in the big city right now. You can do this too. And she is transitioning to come to LA and make that move here. So we kind of talk about you know what what benefits she's had from working out of the state mm-hmm. and the experience now that she gets to bring over to LA. So you know it's it's great to I think um, have that yeah that foresight and also insight from being and working and living in the different film hubs yeah. all over the the country. So without further ado, we welcome Lauren. Well, welcome. Thanks for uh, tuning in from Milwaukee area. Are you like right in Milwaukee or? Yeah, I used to be. Um, I'm actually in the process of moving to LA. So I'm currently in Madison at my dad's house. Okay. Um, Yeah, I'm here for like a month and then I'll be out heading out to LA in July, early July. Amazing. I have multiple actor friends from Wisconsin out here. So (laughs) you'll fit right in. (laughs) Yeah, cool. Yeah, are you, um, have you been in Milwaukee like your entire, I guess, career for now? And, and is that where you're born, raised, all of that? Yeah, I grew up in Madison, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. in Milwaukee, just for reference. It's like um, the cities are like a 90-minute drive apart, okay. um, both in southern Wisconsin, so pretty easy to commute from one to the other. Um, wow. So I grew, up, I grew up in Madison. I got a bachelor's uh, in English at Winona State, which is in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, I went to Vancouver Film School for screenwriting. Mm-hmm. So they have um, year-long intensive programs. So I was there for a year, a little more than a year. Um, then I came back to Wisconsin. At the time, I was like, oh, well, I was a lot younger then. But I was like, I'll just be here for a short time, and then I'll either move to L.A. or maybe I was thinking like Seattle because I really love the Pacific Northwest yeah. after being in Vancouver. Um, uh-huh. so that was kind of the plan. And then, you know, life happened and I got a job and was doing all this other stuff. But, uh, you know, along the way, just kept working on films. I made a short film. Um, and then I moved to Milwaukee because it's like bigger than Madison. Mm-hmm. It's the biggest city in Wisconsin. So yeah. there was just like more film work there, like people actually working on commercials and doing things and freelancing. So I started freelancing and I was a PA for a number of years, mm-hmm. probably about three years. Um, and then I moved up to an assistant camera. So I've been doing that professionally. Um, so yeah. And in between I made my feature and I'm still just trying to write as much as I can and yeah, make my own stuff. So amazing. I love that you've been doing so much and like, Mm -hmm. what, like, what is the film scene like up there? Like, is it more like just independent kind of stuff or is there like a commercial or theatrical like film scene up there too? Uh, it's kind of a mix, but ultimately when it comes to like f- actual films uh, and more creative scripted stuff, there's not a lot that is more independent for sure. Um, but then when it comes to like actually commercial like advertisements, mm-hmm. that's the majority of the market. And the majority of the professional work that I get uh, is commercials. Okay. And then occasionally you do like TV shows that either travel through like reality shows. I did a lot of those, um, especially as a PA early on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get um, occasionally there's some movies, but we don't have tax credits. So unfortunately mm. we don't get like big, big movies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, there's a small push to kind of get it back, but it's one of those things. It's like, there's so much, um, so many like things they have to get done to get tax credits approved and change the laws and all that stuff. So, yeah. uh, yeah, that makes it hard to get like actual films. So the films right. that are here, 
are like mine. They're like micro budget, no budget kind of things. Or like the biggest films we've had come through are things like um, kind of mid six figures at the most, like mm-hmm. 250,000, maybe 500,000, those types of movies. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool to reference as well. Like uh, we're always so curious when we meet filmmakers not mm-hmm. from LA and yeah. how they're doing it and making it happen. Yeah. And yes. something that I think is really great of an opportunity that you've had that is very difficult here in LA, even though this is entertainment hub is getting those opportunities to be a PA and AC, like getting your groundwork. So now when you come to LA, you already have all that experience and are going to be much more ahead than, Mm -hmm. you know, people who are trying to start here, even though again, like there is so much and I'm not discouraging, but yeah, for people who are thinking about moving to LA, that's a great way. Like, see what's in your town. You're probably going to get more of an, a chance than than coming here first and trying to make it happen. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a great point, and um, that's what I tell people too. Because it's like you know, certain family members or certain people, they're just like, oh, it's really, it's a lot of competition. It's really hard to make it out there. And I'm like, that's totally true. But there's also so much opportunity, yeah. mm. and I have that groundwork, and I know people who, you know, people who travel and stuff. Like I've met people um, who are in LA or who have those connections. So, um, so yeah, that's I've key. definitely got the groundwork. Yeah, so. I mean, yeah, that's the most important part. Is like to have something to show for yourself whether that is like things on your resume or the connections like people you know anything Mm -hmm. like that because yeah like you said it's like there's so much competition but there's also so much opportunity but sometimes it can be a little bit like catch-22 of like you know well we want a PA that has this many years of experience well Mm -hmm. how am I going to get the experience if you don't hire me you know so yeah 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 and I think yeah Carolina you brought up a good point too um that it's a lot of people Um, can start where they are and I know a lot of people who do that or who have done that Um, and then they move to LA and they can just take off because they already have the connections and the groundwork like we talked about Um, the industry I think for a long time it has been but especially with you know video and digital getting more and more accessible um, it's easier to get equipment and things like that for lower prices so um, that just means, you know, there's commercial and video and all kinds of work everywhere, you know? Absolutely. It's, I mean, I'm in, I've applied to and kind of loosely done advertising stuff. And yes. like that is video advertising is the number one tool for marketing. Like if totally. you don't have that in your business plan or part of like what your company has a budget for, mm-hmm. which again, doesn't have to be, I think, you know, coming from independent film, I'm always trying to yeah. demystify what they think they need as for a budget. I'm like, you don't need this crazy, you know, <laughs> elaborate yes. camera and whatever we can, we can work on this scale. Yeah. And, um, but that it's super important. So even if like, you know, you're trying to be in film, like do some advertising, if you can get again, those, those skills and tools. So right. I love that you you come from that background, and I, I do think there's like more opportunities here because every company needs it. Mm-hmm. it re- they really do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think too. I mean, one of the advantages, you know, there's a lot of times where you can definitely get bogged down. It's like really long days, as you know, um, <laughs> and the it's just so demanding. Yeah. Especially as a PA, it's like you're on your feet constantly. You're just like doing so much work, and you're running everywhere. Um, or mm-hmm. just like walking, but, you know, walking yeah. around and, and doing all this stuff. And, um, 
it's easy to get bogged down and be like, oh, I don't care about this. It's just a commercial. It's not creative, all this stuff. But right. uh, when I look back over the years, it's like I really it's the opportunity to have that front row seat to seeing how other directors work and other creatives work. And it's like, how do you, how are the producers solving this problem? You know, you can hear this conversation mm -hmm. while I'm driving them from the airport or whatever, you know, and they're just like, <laughs> how are we going to deal with this? Um, you know, this actor is going to be late or this thing came up. How are we going to reschedule? And I'm just, I'm just like driving, but I get to hear this conversation of yes. um, how they're solving it. And it's like, all of that is something you can absorb um, mm -hmm. and observe uh, when you're on set. So I think that's been really valuable. Yeah. I love hearing those little like conversations that the like big wigs I'm putting in air quotes yes. right now, <laughs> listeners, um, <Yeah. laughs> you know, they have these conversations and it, to them, it's like, they don't feel that it's an important thing to talk about or that other people need to know about or whatever. But then, you know, us as independent filmmakers and creators mm -hmm. find what they're talking about so interesting. So it's, it's always yes. fun to overhear those conversations, you know, and like, like yeah. my day job is in catering and I do a lot of mm -hmm. events with, you know, professional filmmakers and stuff. And it's like, I always love when I get to hear those little like insider information kind of things, you know? So yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah. that's like, you know, that's what you get being on set and getting to help people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even as just, again, air quotes, a PA, like yes. you get so much experience and you learn so much about what the other people do on mm -hmm. set and what goes into yeah. it all. Like, it's just such a valuable thing to do for a little while, at least, <laughs> you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of people, it's like you don't have to do it for a really long time, but to have done it, I think is important because um, I've heard stories from people, too, where it's like they're on sets and I've been on sets, too, where it's like, I don't think this director has ever been a PA or a crew member mm -hmm. of any kind. Um, like they're only a director. They're only a producer. And that really keeps you. I mean, even if they're not being a diva or like throwing fits, um, they just really clearly have no idea what the crew is going through or they're like, like, yeah, we'll just do a few more takes and really want to nail this down. And it's like you're really pushing the schedule. Like every time you do that, you're really pushing the schedule. Like we're going to be here for like two more hours after yeah, you get right. to leave, you know, like right. you get to call rap and then leave. And we don't, that... we have to pack equipment yeah. and everything, you know? And like, I'm the kind of person that if I'm producing and like you need help rapping, like I'm there helping you rap. Like it blows yes. my mind if mm -hmm. like the director producer doesn't like, with that. it just especially yeah. like I, I mean like on a really small set mm -hmm. like you totally. know it's like yes how so yes you can definitely tell when someone's just not hasn't yeah. done it doesn't yeah. care and I think that's a really important thing that you bring up Lauren to like you know try everything at least once yeah. <laughs> like every totally. role so you have it not every role but like just get get that experience because yes like you said they're really long days like I probably couldn't PA for more than I have. <laughs> and I'm right, like, I'm good. Right, I'm okay. Yeah. I've, I've built my producer skills. Like I can, yes. I can do the producing directing stuff now, but yeah. <laughs> like, you know, still like be a team player. And I think that's really important. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about your feature film yes. that you Let's worked on. That. Oh, so a micro budget. It's just, it's always, we're always championing people who created anything to completion. Yeah, like, you definitely. know, that it's so rare, but then to do a feature, we're working mm -hmm. currently on our first feature film. Nice. It's a huge venture. Yeah, definitely. It <laughs> is. Yeah. So t tell us like, what's the story? What got you, um, 
some smart producing tactics because it is a micro budget feature. And I think that's mm-hmm. partly to why you successfully completed it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So talk to us. So it, yeah, it was a long process. Uh, <laughs> as you mentioned, it, it can be. Um, it was probably, I mean, like more than five years in the making um, because so I started it in film school. I finished film school in 2014. Mm-hmm. So I started it that year. It was my second um, in the writing program in Vancouver. Um, you know, you're just writing all the time. The, all their programs are really hands-on, which is what really attracted so me cool. to that school. Um, so you're just, you're writing a lot. So, you know, we start with short films and we do comedy sketches and we do a feature. And then we split off. At that time, there was film and TV. And I've heard now already they have... Um, you can also do like a video game oh, uh, specialization cool. at the second that's half. Awesome. Yeah. So the second half you split off and I did film mm-hmm. um, and a bunch of people did TV, but we had film and TV. And so the film writers um, did a second feature and then TV writers did, you know, a pilot. Um, so my second, this was my second feature film project, really the second feature script I ever wrote yeah. uh, in film school. Um and so like wrote that and obviously was in classes workshopping it early on and just felt like it was it was the strongest story I had at the time. Um, and then after school I was back in Wisconsin, I was working a day job and uh, I was, you know, off and on I would work on it or I would I was writing a lot of other projects, too. But I would, you know, I'd send it to people because I was like, I really want to make this. Um, I had made two short films and I was just like. I could make more short films, but I'm just like really impatient and really ambitious to make a feature. We understand um, that. <laughs> right. You know, also, I mean, for me, it was just like, I know that I want to make features, mm-hmm. you know, primarily. So I just didn't see the point. Like I saw a bunch of people around me just making short after short after short. And there's nothing wrong with that. You definitely learn from making shorts and it's a good way to make something with much lower stakes, you mm-hmm. know, fewer resources, less time. Um, there's a lot of advantages, but I was just like, it really, I just, I know I want to make features and I have the script and it's, it's strong. So I just, I want to go forward with it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I spent a lot of time, I mean, a number of years really revising it. I would send it to some people, be like, are you interested in working on this? Like as a producer, or as whatever. Um, and some, a lot of people said no at first, but they gave me some good uh, thoughts on the script some Mm. notes and I was just like okay like that's a good point like I didn't take all of them but some of them I was like yeah that makes sense yeah um let's how do I work this in so just uh, do revisions um and then Mm -hmm. you know I started freelancing too working on sets uh and that was really the key that helped a lot because I I would talk to people there like local people um you know not people who are traveling through but I talked I was working with this one guy Emery, mm-hmm. um, who ended up becoming my cinematographer. Cause I was just like, yeah, I mean, what do you, we had like some downtime. We were both PAs and, uh, I was like, what do you want to do in the industry? And he's like, I really like, you know, gaffing and lighting, you know, cinematography ultimately. I was like, that's cool. You know, yeah. I have this feature I've, I want to write and direct and I have this feature script and stuff. Told him a little about it. And then, um, I, I sent it to him. He was like, yeah. And after he read it, he's like, yeah, this is really cool. We met up and talked about it. He's like, there's so many, like aspects of it that are really interesting to me, you know, there's like fight scenes and like, you know, stunts and blood. And um, there's like a wedding dress scene. Like there's all these different uh, parts to it that are really interesting. There's like family drama scenes and stuff like that. Um, So he was interested and he's like, yeah, I mean, I'd I'd love to DP it. Mm -hmm. And I was obviously a lot younger than too and inexperienced. And uh, 
looking back, I think this is kind of funny, but he's like, I mean, I have a, I have a reel I can send you or whatever. I was like, oh, that's cool. You could, you're, you're, you know. <laughs> and look, looking back, I'm like, I should have at least like watched his video. <laughs> but it turned out he was, you know, he knew what he was doing. And I, it was funny. Yeah. So then I'd, I'd talk to other people like, oh yeah, Emery and I are making this feature. And uh, they'd be like, oh, Emery's a really good DP. He knows what he's doing. I was like, okay, good. Yeah, that's good that it worked out because that's always yes. like, I mean, yeah. me and Carolina, like, you know, we, we've met so many people in the industry and made so right. many friends and it's always like, yeah, we find somebody we want to work with and we're like, okay, wait, pause. Before we hire them on, let's yes. actually like see their work because we just know them mm-hmm. as a person and we know that we love yep. their drive, but like, have we seen their work, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, it's a difference from, you know, once you get that experience, because, yeah. Uh, yeah, like I said, I was very impatient to make this and excited. And I was just so excited that someone yeah. else was interested, finally, because mm. I got yeah. so many no's. Um, it's like, yeah, of course. And I was at this time, I was like 25, 26, you know, so yeah. a lot younger too, <laughs> less life experience. But um, yeah, so from there, we got a small crew and we, f- we were like, okay, let's, um, we want to do crowdfunding. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got a small crew together and produced a um, a promo video for the crowdfunding. So we kind of shot some scenes and he and I were also in the video discussing the story and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was, so yeah, we did that and that was the end of 2017. And then we got the video done and everything and out. We crowdfunded like early 2018. Okay. Um, so then we had, we did our successful crowdfunding. We did, um, seed and spark which like it worked out and we made our goal yeah. but it was also really stressful I don't know if you guys have ever done crowdfunding but it's yeah. a lot of work <laughs> yeah. and uh you know there's all these I mean like my crew members the people who are already on the project were like yeah we'll help we'll we'll share it and then they share it like one time and I was like you guys we really need to be like more on this you've got to be sending it out to people all the time yeah. You know, there's there's just so much work to it. So I felt like I was kind of alone in that mm-hmm. at times. Um, but some some of my cast did share it a lot. So I don't want to be like, you know, saying they did it. Yeah, like that, that's, um, and, and being transparent, like you have to be the one that's on it. And you have yes, to like, absolutely, you know, keep reminding people and sharing and sharing. <clears throat> and um, with Seed and Spark, do you just for our listeners, because we haven't used the platform yet? Yeah. Is that um, the one where you have to meet that goal? Otherwise, you don't you get it's sort of you have to meet 80% of your goal, right? Okay, and then you'll okay. get it. So yeah, it's not like Kickstarter, that's all or nothing, but you do have to make most of it to be right. able to get the green light and keep your funds. Yeah. Yeah. And listeners, just in case you're like, wait, what you have to make all of your, go-. like just there's the different platforms have so many different yeah. roles and stuff. So mm-hmm. do your research. If you're thinking about crowdfunding yeah. and you've never done it, do your research. Cause they're all different and they all offer different things, but there's also yes. pluses and minuses to all of that. So just yeah. throwing that out there. And good to, yeah. And good to think about something I've heard. It's like knowing what, um, you know, Seed and Spark, it has that sort of flexibility to it. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you're if you're like, OK, it'd be great if we got this much, but we could do it with a little bit less then Seed and Spark might be a good option. Because then it's like if you get that 80 percent and you don't make the 100 percent, yeah. you'll still be good. Um, or if you're just Spark. trying to get anything at all, then Indiegogo might be good. Because if you don't make your goal, you keep whatever you raise. Yeah. Um, then Kickstarter is good if if you really need a certain amount and you can't do anything without that amount, mm-hmm. then Kickstarter is the 
all or nothing one. So mm -hmm. yes, but yeah, definitely research. Just think about what you need and, and what you think you can raise too. Yeah. And then for your feature, what was your budget? If you don't mind us asking. Um, so all said and done is around 20,000. Okay. Um, at some point I wasn't keeping great track of it, but we <laughs> crowdfunded just over 10,000. Okay. So, and then like That's I had, incredible. I had a lot of savings. Yeah. yeah so I had yeah. put some of my money in, um, had a small investment as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah. 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 Just to give our listeners like an idea of like, I think when personally, when I first started getting into like the filmmaking side of things, I was yeah. already acting professionally. So I knew at that point, like mm -hmm. sort of what budgets were like, but to me it was like, well, like anything under a million is usually like indie. Right. And so like people right. today raise like 500 that, and then I'm like seeing all my filmmaker friends making feature length films for micro budgets, 20,000. I've yes. even seen like $1,000 film that looked amazing. You know, like it's, yeah, it's insane definitely. how amazing people or how amazing things people can make with so such little money. But I think yeah, for definitely. like before I got into this professionally and for people that aren't professional filmmakers, like $20,000 if regardless is still a lot of money. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> for people to like to, to kind of get that in their minds, the people that are listening, like what micro budget really can mean. It's, it's, it's kind of a yeah. range of things, but then to also give our listeners an idea of, okay, so your budget was like 20 K and you raised from crowdfunding mm -hmm. about 10 K and then put in your yep. money. And cause again, it's like, yeah. it's all a mix of things. And you know, if you already have the money to make it just yourself and you don't have to rely on anyone, that's amazing. But yes. <laughs> you know, it just depends what you need. Like we're working on our first feature, like we mentioned, and our mm -hmm. budget's about 50K. So we had to go a okay. little bit above just crowdfunding and we're looking for yeah. actual donors. We have a fiscal sponsor. Yes. So, I mean, there's just nice. so many ways to, to get money. But yeah, it's like yeah. knowing what you have and what you need and all of that is important planning before you start asking for money too. Yeah, and just kind of figuring out the budget, which is not at all my strong suit. Mm -hmm. um, I was just kind of like estimating um, and kind of, I asked a few people and they were like, Oh, just look at this. Just look at that, you know, and, and figure it out. And I was kind of like, I don't, yeah. it just doesn't, my brain just doesn't work that way. So going forward, I definitely want to have like a line producer, mm -hmm. um, or someone who can do that type of role where they can really look at this is what that's going to cost and you know, yeah. how we're going to get money for this and X, Y, Z. Cause yeah. I just can't do that myself, but <laughs> It worked well, out. I will say 20 grand for a feature. Yeah, that is a lot, but it's also like not a lot mm -hmm. at all. Yeah, like for at film. all. For, yeah, a, yeah. for, for feature a feature film. film. Yes. Like I've done now a bunch of shorts for that budget and yeah. it's like below, like that was actually a learning lesson. I'm like, wow, this money just goes to like all the people yes. and whatever extra. Yeah. So that's really, um, I definitely want to hear like, how you made that work because that is a that is a big feat too. Um, that's also why we kind of bumped up. I re I realized I was like we could try to do this for that was our initial plan mm -hmm. to do it for twenty k. Yeah, I think now like I would definitely have to rework some things to keep it at that budget and make it like have stuff for marketing. You know, like yeah. all of that we're we're thinking on that end. And I also want to get into your distribution because yeah, you also got distribution. Mm -hmm. Um. A TVOD, SVOD, what was it? It was um, 
It's both, well, it's TVOD right now, mm-hmm. but and yeah. it's also AVOD. Nice. So. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, we'll, yeah. we'll circle back on that. But okay. yeah, like how um, is the film where you, how were you able to like make that 20K budget work? That's really incredible. Hey, Fem Fam. Have you heard us raving about Jambox yet? Because let me tell you, it's such an amazing tool for filmmakers, podcasters, advertisers, and anyone who needs music for their projects. Jambox.io is so versatile. They've got songs and sound effects organized by artist, genre, mood, and tags. And they're actually affordable. For as little as $9.99 a month for independent creators, $6 a month for students, or $19.99 a song, you can choose whether a subscription-based membership or a la carte pricing works better for you. And they're flexible. For individual creators, to commercial, to advertising, to theatrical release, they've got you covered. Plus, they're constantly growing and evolving. With new songs and playlists all the time and customer service on point, they really do have everything you need. We've been working with them for a while now and couldn't be happier. That's why we have a special coupon code for our listeners. For 10% off your purchase, make sure you enter code FEM10 at checkout. That's FEM, F-E-M-M-E, 10 at jambox.io, where they connect creators with ridiculously good music and sound effects. Uh, well, ultimately, so like I said, we were starting with that 10000 from uh, the crowdfunding. And then um, my the producer, the main producer that I brought on, I was also a producer. And then my DP was a co-producer. Um, but my main producer, Shannon, um, kind of came onto the project and was really excited for me. And she, yeah. um, she really kind of broke it down um, and figured out like, okay, these are the people that we need to pay to keep them for this month mm-hmm. that we need and, and, um, how we can like give everyone a little bit of money that's working on it, which we obviously, um, as filmmakers ourselves and freelancers, like that's obviously really important. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause passion doesn't pay your bills, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Um, so no. <laughs> yeah, so we uh we figured that out and there was also like food budget um and she did most of the like shopping and stuff for food um and then equipment and camera we were pretty lucky because Emery the cinematographer was working at a rental house at the time and so um you know his boss was just like yeah i mean i trust you you can basically have carte blanche for whatever you want yeah. uh you can you can rent out stuff that isn't already rented um so yeah we we didn't pay for g&e or lighting at all wow um, that's amazing yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the camera we knew someone who rented um we got a sony fs7 rented for $500 for the whole shoot nice um and then the, one of the biggest expenses was lenses. Mm-hmm. We were one of the rental houses, the camera rental house in Milwaukee, uh, North American camera. I know the owner. And so uh, he was like, yeah, I can give you a discount. Um, but it's still so we were able to rent three lenses per week. We shot for four weeks, um, three lenses per week for fifteen hundred dollars total. Okay. Um, which is pretty good. So Emery yeah, would just look at that, that long, yeah, because like, lenses like, are yeah, expensive. I was gonna say, yeah, that's... <laughs> for those who don't know, yeah, <laughs> lens lens rentals, buying lenses, like that's one of the more expensive things. Yes. Um, so yeah, but Emery would look at the shot list every week and say, okay, because we could change them out if we wanted to. Um, so we just look at the shot list, be like, okay, for this week we want these three lenses, and mm. kind of did it that way. So 
Nice. Um, so yeah, that was how we kind of stretched that out. And then yeah, um, having those contacts, having yep. like, again, planning like what you yes. needed and when and having a producer come on board. Like, yeah, that's definitely. what I'm gathering that all like, that's so important. Yeah, that definitely mm-hmm. leads to a success. But yeah. Was it in one location? Like, talk to us about location. No. <laughs> there were, I mean, I hear a battle. I hear a wedding. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, it's one of those things. I was, I was before this. I was listening to a lot of filmmaking podcasts, um, like Indie Film Hustle and uh, No Film School. At the time, mm-hmm. had a lot of good advice. Yeah, um, I was listening to those and some others, and a lot of uh, them. They're saying, you know, great, great thing to do for first features. Do like a one location feature, so you're not moving and stuff, and this feature is very, I feel like this story and this feature is very much like goes against a lot of that advice because there's <laughs> multiple locations. Um, there's like stunts, there's an ambulance. Yeah. There's like yeah. Um, special effects. Like there's a lot of stuff that uh, we had to tango with, but I learned with a lot from it. Tango with. Well, how yeah. did you pull it off though? Because like those are the things that add up for that yeah. make your budget go up. So right. was it mostly like yeah. falling so, in favors? Like, yeah. Mostly, yeah. And just kind of figuring it out. But we had the main location was their apartment. So we had a lot of scenes there and we figured out we were able to rent an apartment, you know, like a monthly rental we found. Um, yeah. For That's key. We, we're doing that too. We're positioning, mm-hmm. trying to position our main event. Yes. At, at an apartment. Okay, cool. Yeah, That's so we we started off that was that became a slightly unexpected cost because we started off we paid I think seven hundred or seven fifty for this like one little apartment for a month, mm-hmm. but then um, the guy who helped us like rent it out he had showed us this empty room. And we were kind of trying to be sneaky about it. We were like, oh, can we just like, could we use this like once in a while? And he was just like, yeah, because it's open and stuff. So we're in this separate apartment. We kind of staged a lot of our stuff there. Um, but then he came by at some point and saw that we were kind of like in there. We were yeah. like having lunch and uh, we were fully using that second apartment. And so he's like, OK, we, we I think we have to work something out. So I think we had to pay like 500 to also use that one. Yeah. But it was kind yeah. of needed. It was one of those things where we had base a quick, camp. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. quick conversation about it. And it's like we need a actual base camp. Um, and then we were able to use that other apartment for a second like apartment location. Nice. Mm helpful um other than that i think we mostly got our locations for free or very little Mm -hmm. um that was something my other producer was working on but we had some office spaces uh one of which was her old uh she had worked for like a a production company she had worked for Uh uh so we had some offices that way and then um we got let's see what else we had some like exterior lo- locations we just kind of like found yeah. and figured out. Um, <clears throat> then we also, so there's also um, some scenes in a flower shop. Okay. So uh, including like some stunts and stuff. Nice. So uh, the big finale. So we were looking at, that was one of the harder things. We were looking at a few different places and uh, we're trying not to like, hide it necessarily we're also trying not to say like there's all that there's this like violent scene and we're breaking <laughs> breaking fake glass yeah. in, the, in your flower shop um but we won't break any of your stuff like we're trying to yeah be, yeah, yeah be honest without like saying all of that yeah. necessarily uh but yeah we uh we 
so we had this one flower shop that the owner, like we went and looked at it, but then the owner was kind of weird about it apparently. And I think essentially just ghosted my producer. It was like, you know, yeah, we just didn't hear from her. So we're like, so that's not, we weren't, we didn't have much faith in that location anyway. So we ended up, my producer was just calling flower shops and we found a shop um, a little bit outside of Milwaukee. And the owner was super excited about it actually. Cause she knew uh, the story and she and her husband, I think, were involved in theater mm-hmm. a little bit. And so they were really excited. And I think she really Aww. liked um, like the show. Not This has nothing to do with the movie, but she really liked Little Shop of Horrors, yeah. I think. Okay. And so she was like really excited. She was like, yeah, oh, my, right. my dream is like to make, yeah, to make a, a that play <laughs> yeah. like in my flower shop or whatever. So I think this movie being a thriller and all this stuff, this is really cool. And so, um, so that was really awesome. We yeah. got that. Um, and we did two overnight shoots there, okay. including our last, the last of our like main production, um, which was really exciting. But that was another, that was probably the most stressful yeah. day, night of the shoot. So I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. We can, we can imagine. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, we just, we figured it out with locations. Yeah. But it's kind uh, of that whole of like guerrilla filmmaking mentality yeah. sometimes where mm-hmm. like, I mean, I know out here in LA, it's like, Everywhere you have to get a permit or you have to pay extra to shoot that. Like people capitalize on it being a film city. Right. And yeah, I've heard that. There's so many come take all my money and everything I'm worth. But it's like, you know, there's things (laughs) like if you want to like get an Airbnb for a location, if they find out that you're filming and you don't pay an extra price, Mm -hmm. they might be like, uh, no, we're like blacklisting you or whatever. Like there's just so many little things you have to sometimes hide what you're doing or, you know, work around. But yeah. So it's interesting to hear also like that happens outside of LA too when you're struck, you have to struggle with that. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. yeah, Definitely not to the same extent. Cause then you get people who are like really excited. You're making a movie and Mm -hmm. they let you use it for free. So yeah. Yeah. I think that's like awesome that you were able to get people. And I think it helps not being in LA Mm -hmm. to get people excited about you making a film and want to like, you know, the old theater patrons who like, you know, have that love for art and like that's that's really cool that you made that all of that work in your favor. And yeah, definitely. Favors. Yeah, so. absolutely. <laughs> and then, yeah, the other the other big location I was thinking of is the flower or not. We did the flower shop, um, the bridal shop. Mm. So we had a store, and we we were only there for one day, and we ended up finding this one place um, that the owner was thinking of selling. But she was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it was kind of the same thing. She was pretty, you know, open minded, and she was like, you know, this sounds cool, whatever. Yeah. Um, and she let us film there but she i think we went and scouted and we met one of the prospective buyers i think the person she was thinking of selling to um and i don't know like all the details of this but apparently she ended up like not selling it and the store just closed after we used it um but that i mean that also just really worked out like timing wise really well and uh just like the yeah the person we met and she was like yeah you know you guys um, we just explained what we needed and also we're like, it'd be great if we could try on, have one person try on like three dresses mm-hmm. um, and we'll just be filming like this. And we, we kind of just explained the process mm-hmm. and she's like, yeah, that'll work. And then we scheduled it, you know, for her schedule and uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just made it happen. Yeah. I feel like yeah. that's part of it too, is like just 
working it out with people, you know, like if you yes. want to use their store, okay, well, it's got to be worth them like closing for that day or whatever. Mm-hmm. So like, what, yeah. what do you have to offer? You know, is, mm-hmm. and just, yeah, just working around other people's schedules. Like that is such a, for me personally, like if, if a friend asks me to help them with the project in whatever capacity that means, and they're asking yeah. me as a favor, I always mm-hmm. say, okay, if you can't pay me, this is what I ask. You have to work around my schedule because I am like the busiest person and it's like, it's so hard and I want, it's something, you know, I want to help my friends with, like, I want to help with this project, but like, I, you have to be flexible with me. So yeah, just working with people sometimes can get you the best, you know, whether it's the location or they're on your crew or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Have to be flexible with indie filmmaking in so many ways. (laughs) Yes. Oh, and then I guess one of the other big locations was my dad's house, actually, okay. we were able to use for the for the parents' house, um, which is in Madison. So like I said, that's like a 90-minute drive from Milwaukee. So we had to plan that for two days. Um, what we just figured out is like some of the crew can stay here and then um, other people, like new people they could stay with mm-hmm. in the area. So we just kind of made that work as well. So nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's just like all making work. And it it sounds Mm -hmm. like your crew was willing to adapt with the circumstances Mm -hmm. and be flexible. Yeah, absolutely. So like get a team that, you know, that's going to be your project, which will probably be kind of like ours. We need a team that's a little bit adaptable to the indie film life, which is not glamorous. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But like, you know, we still want to value everyone's comfort, of course. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, you know, it's, it's definitely one of those things like, is this person going to be willing to get go down with me or, you know, right. Gonna have to figure something else out, yeah. which, you know, as a producer, yeah. that's what you learn. Um, but I think yeah. that's really cool that you had an awesome team. That sounds like they were able to just roll with it with you. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately. Yes. And obviously a big part of it was like, we did plan everything in advance. It was, um, that goes a long way. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously when you have, you know, when you have the big budgets, that's all kind of built into the schedule and into pre-production. Um, and when you don't, you just really have to be meticulous in that planning, mm-hmm. um, which again goes back to like my producer, Shannon was really good with that. Um, that's not my strength as much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so having her on board helped, but then there were times where it's just like, you know, plans did change obviously, cause that's going to happen with a film. It's just like, okay, this, person's not available or we can't do this today or whatever and it's like where where can we push this scene you know how can we make this work do we need this can we just cut it um and save time that way um so yeah a team was pretty adaptable but we also planned and made sure and it was like you know going to madison going to these different locations was part of the plan so it wasn't like a surprise that we're yeah. going you know, right. like right. oh you have to drive an hour and a half uh today or something it was all we all knew that was coming as well. Right. And I mean, it's... That is key. You have to plan, yeah. like, because the thing with filmmaking is there's always going to be last minute shit regardless, right? So, mm-hmm. like... Yeah. But I... Personally, I get so frustrated on other projects when it's, like, you know, it's midnight and I know my call time is sometime tomorrow morning, but I haven't yeah. got, gotten it yet. And, like, just... That that last minute stuff is so anxiety inducing for me when it's mm-hmm. like it's not even my project. Like it's not yes. it's not my circus, it's not my monkeys, but I'm still like yeah. freaking out, you know. So when it is yours, when you do have that control, like planning ahead, 
is everything. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, I can already see our, our inbox having all the drafts scheduled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All the emails. I just, it's just, you know, there's ways to do it. So that way, if you are like small team, can't have like, you know, X, Y, Z extra line producers or, you know, right. extra producers working on it that you just mm-hmm. plan ahead and like schedule yeah. those emails. So the call sheets are going out, you know, yeah. every day. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's wild. I think when, yeah, that doesn't happen. You're like, uh, <laughs> yeah. okay. Well, and unfortunately working in commercials, unfortunately, sometimes that happens on commercial projects too. Yeah. Oh my like, God. Goes on That's great. It's crazy. Yeah. You're like, guys. Yeah. Guys. It's like, why am I waiting for the call sheet? You're like emailing them like, Hey, when am I going to get this? Yeah. Um, or just, yeah. Like I was on a commercial a like a month ago and it was like, you know, we kind of, the camera team and I was looking at each other like, what are we shooting next? What can we set up for? I was like, we don't know. It sounds like the producers don't really know. They're still discussing like how we're going to shoot the next thing. So it's kind of like, why wasn't that planned better? You know, like, exactly. So yeah, it it happens in all levels. Yeah. So yeah, Yeah, it's, it's, that's really, I think eye opening too, to see when you Mm -hmm. work in outside of film, you know? Yeah. And, And again, you learn a lot. You're like, okay, well, I don't, my set doesn't have to be like this and it won't yeah. be. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think Tess and I have learned that the most. We're like, it's not going to be this. Yeah. We're right. not doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to quickly get into some distribution stuff because that yeah. always is like, did you pl- like, how did you figure that out to being so new to, to this being your first project and all mm-hmm. that? Is that something you were like had envisioned from the start? We tell our, you know, listeners to to think about that right when you're making the film like where do you see this going and that's how you can make it the best for that platform yeah so I really was trying to think of it I didn't it was like I planned ahead and I didn't at the same time yeah Uh, ultimately I was thinking about it early on because I had heard that from other people too Mm -hmm. and like I said I listened to other film podcasts and they were like you know think about yes, it beforehand. podcast learning <laughs> yes <laughs> don't just like yeah they're like don't just you know throw it out there and um or just you know think you'll just do self-distribution or whatever like have a plan and think about it um because also the people that um they're they're putting their project really high on a pedestal and they're like oh we're gonna you know win sundance or get into sundance then we'll just get distribution and yeah. all this stuff and it's like that can't be your only plan even if your film is amazing, which as an indie film with a really small budget, it might not be, yeah. right? You have to <laughs> think about that um, and just think about all those factors. So yeah, I was thinking about it and trying to learn about distribution. So I did, I mean, I learned about the different windows for streaming, um, you know, transactional subscription and then ad-based video on demand, uh, TVOD, SVOD, AVOD, for those who don't yes. know. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. so those, you know, learning that's like you do TVOD first cause you get the most from, you get a percentage of each transaction, you get the most from that. And then subscription is next. You get the second most from that. And then ad based. Which is like your you Netflix, know. your like Hulu, like there's different. Amazon prime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Anytime someone's paying for a subscription to watch it, but they're not paying to watch the actual movie, that's subscription. Right. Because uh, the pay-per-view is then the TVOD. TVOD. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, that's like. Google Play, I think, Voodoo, yeah, Amazon, um, Amazon, Rent or Buy. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Um, and then there's, yeah, there's ad based, which you get paid for ads that play throughout. So that's like 
that is also Hulu with ads. I was going to say um, Hulu is one. And then Tubi is a big one. Mm-hmm. Tubi TV. Yes, I wanted to talk to you about yep. that because I saw you got distribution there. Yeah. Right? And yes. Then, yeah. And then like YouTube with ads also counts yeah. as that. Yeah. Yes. Yes, which we forget sometimes. Like YouTube is yeah. definitely a good recourse there. Yep. Yeah, yeah. If you're yeah, if they're showing ads, uh, you're making money. Um, so yeah, it's I learned about those windows, and I knew that you know there's pros and cons to self distributing. Like Amazon still has the direct to video, so you could just yourself submit to Amazon as long as you meet their requirements. Mm-hmm. They'll put your movie up, um, and a lot of people do that, and that works because it's like you get all the revenue, but you have like, you're the only one uh, promoting it, it yeah, and putting yeah. it out there. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, what, you know, how, how far can you go with that? Like, that's one of the downsides. Um, and then there's, you know, there's small distributors. So I was looking at that at the time, cause this was four years ago. Um, I was looking at Distriber, mm-hmm. which then shut down. I was also looking at oh, yeah. um, this platform or this company called Tug, T-U-G-G, okay. which also shut down oh. <laughs> uh, before I got up. But that was a way to do um, like theatrical distribution. So basically they would, they had this model where you would set up um, like a theatrical screening in a certain city. So like for me, it's like maybe do Milwaukee first, mm-hmm. anywhere you, where you think you have an audience. And as long as you sell a certain amount of tickets, the screening will happen. But then, you know, no one's put up any money. So if you only sell like, five tickets or if you don't meet that threshold the screening won't happen and then you haven't lost money and tug hasn't lost money so it kind of worked that way so you could set up a bunch of screenings yeah like throughout the country uh throughout the u.s and do um and do it that way and like make money and have theatrical screenings um but yeah sadly they don't exist anymore either um but yeah, so then from there, it was just like, I had heard a lot of stories because um, Alex Ferrari, who hosts Indie Film Hustle, has yeah. done a lot of stories, had a lot of guests on of people that have unfortunately been ripped off by uh, different these different uh, distributors that, you know, they're kind of like prey on uh, indie filmmakers. They're like, hey, I think your film's great, all this stuff. I saw it at whatever festival. Um, I'd love to distribute it and all this stuff. But then um, one one of the big ways they do it, from my understanding, is they'll kind of put in a lot of hidden marketing costs. Mm. So, and then that's a way, that's an excuse to not pay you. Yeah. They're just like, oh, well, the contract, you should have read it because the contract had 50,000 or whatever huge marketing costs and we didn't we didn't make more than that. So we spent all that on marketing and yeah. that's that's legal in the contract. Um, no, thank you for well, bringing that up. That's yeah. huge. Because so, that's like kind of what you have to pay out you know, yes. signing with a distributor. It's mm-hmm. not, oh, they just distribute their money. There might be right. like these initial other pushes that they're doing that you have to pay for. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So I was really leery of that. Um, and yeah. so I was looking at, you know, I knew there were a few good companies and I was talking to people who I knew had distributed. Um, and one of the companies, Alex, um, he's distributed with personally. Um, and he like sings their prizes as Indie Rights. Okay, um, Indie Rights. And I heard, yeah, so um, I looked them up and I was kind of like, I knew he had good endorsement from him. Mm -hmm. um, And I, uh, I looked them up and they basically like everything on their website um, is really transparent. They're like, look, we give you 80% of revenue from the first sale. So as soon as someone's watching your movie, you're getting 80% um, Uh no matter what. And it's a three-year contract that can automatically renew, but it's not like a lot of companies also have a really long contract. 
So if you get stuck in a bad one, mm. you're there for like 10, 15 years, you can't get out of it. Yeah. Um, so that's so that's another thing to look at. Um, but yeah, I like that they had a short contract. Um, and then I reached out to another, a guest that Alex had had on his podcast, uh-huh. um, another filmmaker. And I was like, hey, like, um, saw your film. Really, like, I watched his film. I was like, hey, I like this about your film. Um, and then also was like, you know, I saw that you went with indie rights. Um, I've heard good things about them what do you like about them? Are there any downsides, all this stuff? And uh, he sent me back and kind of said the same thing. He's like, you know, there's a couple like little, their communication, you know, um, things like that, that Mm -hmm. aren't like perfect, but um, ultimately it's like 80% of revenue, all this stuff. They always pay on time. They give you detailed reports of who's watching your film uh, throughout the world. That's awesome. And the the platforms. Yeah. Um, because my film's like so new, I, I haven't gotten one of those yet, but I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I think that'll be really interesting. Um, so yeah, he kind of corroborated like everything that they say on their website. And I was like, you know, I think this is enough information, um, to make a good decision. I feel good about this. Um, so yeah, I decided to go with indie rights. Um, and they have connections with most of the major platforms. Um, so yeah, I just, I filled out their, um, they have a form on their website you fill out first and kind of send them your film and okay. all the information about it and what you're interested in. Um, if you want, you can do a theatrical release with them. Um, you can also do a DVD and Blu-ray release with them, um, which I, I was thinking about doing DVD, but my my team, like we didn't have enough resources to, to create those files mm-hmm. in time. So we were just like, you know what, we'll just do streaming and then um, we're able to um, have that accepted from our contract so yeah. um, I can make I can make my own DVDs um, which I'm planning to do later this year um, but yeah so now um, we started out just on Amazon rent or buy mm-hmm. uh, we're still on there and then we've expanded now to Google Play uh, and Tubi and then I think it's on YouTube as well with ads very nice so, yeah that's amazing lots through, of places to watch yeah through, through and this is all through indie yeah right? so once i yeah once i got accepted through them um i just sent uh the deliverables they give you a list of all the things you need to send which is like promotional photos and stills um and like the film with their uh production company logo at the front Mm -hmm. um the trailer you know all that stuff Um, i was just gonna ask you like yeah they give you kind of like that checklist or and or um were there a few things that you needed to make sure that were perfectly ready (laughs) to pitch to them like your film poster and Mm -hmm. um those kind of materials like have your trailer season or do they kind of help you with that you kind of come as you want to be as prepared as possible. I'm not saying yeah. don't, but like, I'm, I'm just curious, like, did they help finalize any more of those materials and what did you present to them? Um, so to submit, like to be considered yeah. for them, you don't need to have any of that ready. You just need to have, you know, the film, like the full film and stuff. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I sent that and they ask you also like what festivals you were in, if it won awards, like that kind of thing. You can, okay. And, like, okay. actors, you know, they ask you about all that information. Um, so you just need to know about your film, which like you should have on hand yeah. having already made it. Um, it's, it's nothing like difficult or anything you'll have to dig through just to submit. And then once they accept you, they're like, yeah, we want to distribute your film. They'll send you the deliverables list. Um, and you can always, you can call them with questions or email. I was going back and forth with an email when I had questions with someone. Um, but once, but they lay it out really specifically. And they're like, if you want okay. to do DVDs, this is what, these are the files you need and the sizes and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. like, okay. these are the specific um 
pictures you need and the files and the the sizes and how to label them, you know, everything they yeah. tell you uh, really exactly what you need. Um, you also need to do subtitles and captions, um, which you can do. It's basically like two files of the same thing mm -hmm. if it's in English. Um, they do distribute uh, other language films as well, but then you have to have, um, you know, the captions of the original language and subtitles in English. Yeah. So okay yeah mind. there's like yeah. post-production mm -hmm. companies um that help with that and I'm wondering did you just figure out how to do some of that on your own and did you go outside to have like another company help I actually used rev.com which is really okay. simple um you have to pay for it but um yeah. and that was Indie Rights actually just told me to use that. Like that's mm -hmm. in their deliverables. They're like, you, oh. you have to, I think that's actually a requirement. It's not a suggestion. I think when I was first reading it, I was like, oh, I could use this, whatever. But when I went back, it's like, yeah, we, you have to use Rev. Um, but they're really accurate. And so um, depending on how long your movie is, is the cost. But for me, our movie, I think is like 87 minutes. Mm -hmm. So it was $108. Oh, that's not bad at all. So, okay. Oh my God. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's something yeah. I'm learning about more. Um, I'm, I, I interview with a lot of companies here in LA. Yeah. <laughs> One of yeah. them is uh, higher up and they're like industry leaders in mm -hmm. the, the QCing of, yeah. of films and TV shows for subtitles and all of that. And the, I'm like, this is actually what, if we want to successfully distribute onto any platform, we're going to have to go through that. Yep. And I, yeah. um, I'm curious. I was like, how much does that actually cost? Cause we need yeah. to budget that. Then. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, totally. As, you know, and, and I mean, I'm sure like the Netflixes and all of that, they have their own systems or again, mm -hmm. own processes, but it's yeah. good to know like on this scale, what it could be. So yeah. no, thank you for, for sharing that. It's like, yeah. So it's like a, yeah, it's, it's doable. Yeah. It's a, yeah, doable. totally. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I was kind of, yeah, I was worried. I was like, oh, I have to pay for this. But then you look at it, it's like, okay, like a hundred dollars I can do. Um, yeah. at this point I wasn't, I was just doing stuff out of pocket. Um, mm -hmm. but that was, that was like the biggest cost for distribution. And then it was just kind of like a matter of being like, okay, my editor can do like the, add the, um, their production logo and get that right. set. And then my producer helped with the images and getting those uh, in the right like formats. Mm -hmm. And then my um, composer did the music cue sheet because you need to have music cues. Um, and oh some of gosh. this, um, a lot of this is stuff that they told me, you know, it's, they require it because most, some of the streaming platforms require it. That's the so thing. Like, yeah, they exactly. Have, they need to have things ready for um, all these different platforms. Yeah. So that makes sense. That's yeah. why. Yeah. Because there's still a did. standard that, yeah. you know, the Apple TV who like they all yep. have a standard that they want their viewers to enjoy the product. Exactly. So yeah, exactly. that's why the that's QC quality control mm -hmm. for listeners. And that's why it's important to keep that mind as part of your yeah. post-production journey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Just think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, don't, don't and and that's the thing you didn't like. Again, we're all just kind of. I love bringing on um, guests like such as yourself, where you kind of mm -hmm. just had to figure it out because it's still yeah. such a a large learning curve. And so for our listeners, totally. we're like, oh my god, now what is that? What do I have to do? It's like it's okay. Like we don't even really fully grasp it ourselves, and we're gonna yeah. just like get through it. So 
But it's just, again, the more you know, the better you're prepared for. So you're not like, what? I need this. (laughs) Right. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. That's really cool, Lauren. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. And I think that's a good point, too. I I look back and there's definitely, I mean, you're always your worst critic. So I'm sure you've done this with your other films where you're watching and you're (laughs) like, oh, this could have been better. This line isn't that good. Or I should have, yeah, I should have, you know, given the actor more guidance or X, Y, Z. You know, there's always different things and um some of them are rookie mistakes and some of them are just like yeah ultimately it's just things you have to learn so I I've definitely shifted my thinking which is still a process but mostly I've shifted into like okay I did the best I could at the time Mm -hmm. it's still like I still worked out really well and I have to look at what did go well and focus on the parts of the movie that I really like and also just the success I've had it's like I got it all the way through post-production and through, uh, you know, inter- yeah. Yeah, distribution, like now people can watch it and I'm making money from that. Um, so that's, yeah, that's no small Let's feat. Give a round of think- snaps. <laughs> that's Thank amazing. You. Yeah. Yeah. No, so you're I think, right. You should yeah. celebrate that. And yes, no, like again, like Tess and I, whenever anyone sends anything mm-hmm. and like, no matter what, but we're always just like, Oh, this is amazing because you actually yeah. did it and we know yeah. how hard it is. Yeah. And everyone, you know, is just trying to, especially like, you know, again, it, uh, our community where it's typically our first few projects that we're, are being yeah. shared and stuff. And so it's like, doesn't need to be like the mo- an Oscar worthy, you know, the level right. of, of a masterpiece. Like yes. we're going to be making our masterpieces. It's, this is just part of yeah. the process. You know, the yeah. process yeah and I yeah it's definitely part of the process and uh another thing I focus on is just the fact that like I needed to do this so that I can do the next one better yes and I couldn't have made what it is a better doing. I I couldn't have made it better the first time like you have to do it the first time yeah and you know you're gonna make mistakes through that and uh, same with you know your first short films and the first oh yeah. first anything you're doing and you just go back in that um you know, when, when you're disappointed in something, that's also a, a sign that, you know, you want to get better yeah. and you want to keep. So it's like the next one will be better because you I have that drive. That. So yeah, that's what I focus on now. Yeah. That's a perfect yeah. mindset to have about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, on yeah. that, that's true. on that note, um, would you let our listeners know where they can find you, where they can follow you and just remind them, I know we listed all the, all the streaming platforms mm-hmm. already, but just to make yes. sure everybody knows what they're looking for. <laughs> yeah so my movie is called cohabitation and you can find it on amazon google play Tubi, and youtube currently uh to watch and then um you can follow the film on instagram and twitter and facebook um instagram it's at cohabitation film uh twitter and facebook it's at cohabitation 18 so cohabitation 18 okay. um and then my personal Instagram is at L Barker Film. Amazing. So, yeah. Thanks for listening to FemRegard Podcast. If you like what you hear, tune in every Friday for more tips on the filmmaking business and insightful conversations with industry professionals. We can only grow with your support. So please subscribe, share, rate, and review. You can also join the Fem Fam on Patreon. For more on us, check us out at femregard.com. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.
You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 